Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today's show is dedicated to speculators that wish to discern the value proposition for the world's most awarded uranium explorer. I'm speaking of Fission Uranium, trading on the TSXV symbol FCU and on the OTCQX symbol FCUUF. Joining us for a conversation is Ross McElroy. He's the president, COO, and chief geologist for Fission Uranium. Before we begin, allow me to convey to our listeners that Fission Uranium is a sponsor of Proven and Probable. Mr. McElroy, welcome to the show, sir. Good day, Maurice. It's great to talk to you. Ross, we have some exciting news for shareholders. Let's discuss the latest press release entitled, Fission Increases Indicated Resource, Doubles Inferred Resource. Please provide us with some specifics on this press release as shareholders have been anxiously awaiting these results, sir. Sure. Well, we're very pleased to put out our latest resource estimate on the PLS project. Um, what it essentially is, is the addition from the drilling from the last two years, uh, from 2016, 2017, that we've done on the PLS project, and that's since our PEA update in September of 2015. So really the focus over the last couple of years has been stepping outside of the triple R deposit as we know it on strike. And then we've made discoveries of new zones uh, to the east. We had the R1620E high grade zone to the west along strike. We had two other zones uh, that were on land. We had the 840 west zone and the more recent uh, 1515 West Zone. So those, we have now have a sufficient number of holes that we can start to get an appreciation for you know, what kind of uh, uh, resource they may hold. And that's what the update was. So we included those, they're inferred pounds. Um, basically all three of those zones were high grade and they provided, uh, I think, significant increase to our inferred number of pounds in the in the overall resource estimate. Um, we also had a little bit of drilling that we had done in the R780 zone that was uh, geared towards converting uh, some of the inferred resource that we had from previous estimates into indicated and also uh, we found some more high grade so uh, we were able to boost up the indicated. So it was really a win-win-win across the entire Patterson Lake trend that, that allowed us to basically have a, a significant increase, primarily the inferred resource, but also to the, to the main 780 zone uh, in the indicated category. And Ross, for our listeners, uh, can you please share what is the new indicated resource numbers and then also the inferred? Sure, well the indicated numbers are now um, uh, 80, almost 87.8 million pounds uh, of U308 and the inferred category is almost 53 million pounds of U308. So the, uh, just to step back just a second, the indicated, basically, uh, we were able to grow that by 8%. Inferred category was almost a double. So we had about 27 million pounds from the previous uh, estimate, and that's now, as I mentioned, close to 53 million pounds. Uh, and I think what's also... Uh, good from my perspective as a, as a geologist is seeing that the indicated and inferred grades are almost identical. That means that we have probably pretty good confidence in the grade of the inferred when we see that those two numbers come 
close together. That's positive. Quite often you'll see inferred re- results that are quite different uh, grades than the indicated. Indicated is a higher level of confidence. So if we can get the confidence of the inferred very close in grade to the indicated, that's all good news. And that's what we've been able to, uh, to show on this project. Now, Ross, can you also provide us with an update on the pre-feasibility study? Sure. The pre-feasibility is really taking the the two zones that we uh, had in the PEA, in the preliminary economic assessment back in September, uh, moving them further towards an ultimate, hopefully an ultimate production decision. Those are the, the zones we have the most information, the most drilling. We've already done the, uh, the first level of economics in the, in the PEA. So now the pre-feasibility is the next step along that line. And so we uh, plan to have our PFS completed by the end of 2018. So the, the type of work that's ongoing on the project right now towards pre-feasibility, while we've, we're still finishing off some of the metallurgical work um, that we use in order to understand how well the uranium will process out of the ore, how easy the ore is to treat, um, we've seen positive uh, results on every aspect of the metallurgy. It, it uh, leaches out very well. It grinds well. We get this very high recovery, almost 97, 98%. We have very low uh, detrimental elements mixed in with that ore. So in other words, arsenic is very low, almost negligible, which is sometimes problematic for number deposits, but not for the triple R. Um, so these are the sort of things that we're trying to understand for the pre-feasibility. Right now in the winter program, Maurice, we're doing... Uh, a lot of geotechnical drilling. So we're drilling around the perimeter of what we think will be the open pit uh, wall. So we understand what that, um, we're going to be putting a slurry wall up there, a support wall between the Patterson Lake itself and, and the open pit mining in between. So we're trying to understand, you know, all the properties that uh, that are necessary in order to build that, that dike wall there. And also uh, just get some, some good rock, uh, understanding the strength of the rock, um, which is necessary for both open pit and underground mining, of which is in the uh, in the overall mine plan. So that's the big focus this year. And once we collect all that data, then the engineers can go back and re-crunch numbers and have a higher level of confidence. And that's what the pre-feasibility is all about as compared to, say, the initial stage PEA. You know, all of this is so exciting. Uh, Ross, let's switch gears here for a moment. For our listeners, let's tie in the value proposition we had before us in fission uranium. I want to ask you a twofold question here. What is the current demand for uranium and what is the projected future demand for uranium? Well, you know, to, to look at the uranium sector, it's really all about the growth of nuclear reactors. And uh, we see that um, when if you step back and look globally, you know, it is definitely a growth industry. Um, you have China in particular is the main growth engine. They're building reactors at an incredible pace. Um, you know, they're adding probably anywhere between 8 to 10 reactors a year. I think that that number continues to increase. China is ultimately, I'm sure they'll have something north of 200 nuclear reactors by the time they're done with their build-out. What they're really trying to do is step up uh, on, on the electricity grid to have nuclear provide, you know, at least 
15% of, of the electricity would be generated by nuclear power plants. So that's really what's happening there. There's other countries that are following similar suit. India is also on a major growth uh, to get a lot of their electricity demand met by nuclear power as well. We're seeing the same story unfold even in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, the United Emirates, um, you know, the UAE already have operating nuclear reactors. They're building more. I see that the Saudis are about to break ground. So it is a growth industry. Um, the, it, it's an interesting uh, place that we're in, though, with the uranium sector because the price of the commodity has been low and has been low and, and ever since, really, the Fukushima event back in 2011. The price went down. We're, we're at a low price in the commodity of 20 the $21, $22 on the spot price of uranium, and yet the demand is growing. And so what's happened is that the lowest cost producers out there, the Cameco's and the, and the Kazakh um, operators, are starting to curb production uh, in a big, important, major way. And so what they're trying to do is basically force the price of uranium up so the utilities will be paying more for uranium because... We all know that the lowest cost producers cannot really survive when uranium is at $20 a pound. It has to be something north of that, $30, $40, $50 is, are probably more realistic numbers for the lowest cost. And that means for everybody else, it's even something higher than that. So we do think with that growth out there in the sector, uh, the fact that the main producers are curbing their production, these will all tie into a much higher, stronger uh, uranium price going forward. When that starts to take effect, hopefully we'll see some of that positive effect happen in 2018. I think there's a good chance that we'll start seeing the price creep up in the last half of this year. Um, but even when we go forward over the next year or two, I think we should see, you know, the, the, the groundwork is set to see some significant price increases in uranium, which for anybody like ourselves, that, you know, the people like to base us based on the price of uranium. They value the company and the project on that, obviously. As we continue to show growth in our de-risk the project, uh, move it uh, closer to an ultimate production decision, we start seeing the price of uranium going up. You know, we're starting to get to a, a point where we look, you know, in the near-term future, we'll say where it's looking positive for companies like, like us on, on just about every level. So we're very pleased with where the sector is going. Now is the opportunity um, because the price of your, the commodity is low. Therefore, that continues to depress the share price. But I think it won't be too long before we start seeing a turnaround in the sector in a, in a very important way. You know, I'm delighted with the value proposition right now that fission uranium presents uh, to the market. With global demand increasing, where does fission uranium fit into this picture? Well, fission uranium has its project in the Athabasca Basin, and the Athabasca Basin is probably the premier area geologically to, for hosting uranium de deposits. I mean, it has the highest grade deposits anywhere on the planet. And importantly, and maybe more so, is the fact that this jurisdiction is the most favorable jurisdiction for uranium mining development. Um, you've got a government that supports the industry, uh, and obviously the, you know, the geological merits are, are there. So I think um, utilities are going to continue to come to the Athabasca Basin to look for projects. So who do they look for? Well, the, the PLS project and the Triple R deposit 
is really a standout uh, project, and it's because the mineralization here is so shallow that it's uh, what happens in, in mining districts is the more shallow the, the deposit is, the closer to surface it is, the easier and less costly it is to develop. And so, you know, you can look at this project against any of the others in the basin. And it's the largest, highest grade near surface deposit out there. Um, and this is a reason why we uh, have a strategic partner uh, in the Chinese. The CGN is one of the major utilities uh, in the world. They're one of the two state-owned utilities of China, and they're the ones that are building reactors. We, As we've talked about earlier, China's the growth engine. They've invested in this project. They have a, a 20% interest in the company because they looked at this project and saw that it was different than all the others, that this is one that looks like it'll be, you know, take its rightful place in the hopper as, as far as uh, uh, projects, you know, for development in the future. So I think people, investors, if you follow the lead and what the Chinese utility have done, you'll want to take a good hard look at the uh, the triple R deposit on our PLS project. So, and that's what Fission Uranium has. We own 100% of that asset. And in my opinion, and, and that of many others, this is the best undeveloped uranium asset in the world. I think we're in agreement with that. Uh, you know, with production costs well above the current spot price and the global demand is increasing, I've been on record in previous interviews stating that with regards to uranium, it's not an if proposition, it's a when proposition. And if you have a, a when proposition, it will become a win proposition. Now, Ross, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but you know, you and I have had a number of discussions offline at conferences and the common theme, not just from you, but actually from everyone at the Fission Uranium team is the commitment to increasing shareholder value. And you put that together with the fact that Fission Uranium, they're good stewards of capital with proven management and an exceptional technical team. Uh, I'm always thoroughly impressed with Fission Uranium. Um, well, I would agree with uh, with everything you've said there. I think that our technical team is, is second to none. You know, our track record is uh, it speaks for itself. This is our second major discovery of high-grade uranium in the Athabasca Basin in, in about the last seven or so years. Um, this, the PLS, we made the discovery back in... Uh, the winter of, of 2012 really developed it over the next couple of years but that's because we have a technical team that really you know looked at this thing as a, as a you know just really understood what the what the characteristics were all about we were able to advance uh this exploration and development really quite quickly um faster than most projects uh, and we have been very very mindful we have loyal shareholders uh, we've had for a long time. Um, they have, you know, let us know that uh, in this tough uranium sector that we need to watch our spending. And so, you know, we've taken that to heart. We've uh, really decreased our spending in the last couple of years, and yet we've still been able to advance the project. You saw the resource estimate that we put out yesterday. Um, we are moving the project towards pre-feasibility. Uh, so we're still hitting all the marks that we need to and yet being very careful on what we're spending because we obviously don't want to you know, go back to the market um, to raise more money when you know, share prices are depressed because of the low uranium prices overall. We think that will change when it does. This will be a very healthy company. 
with great supporters and, of course, the, the world's best uranium project to go forward with. All encouraging signs. Mr. McElroy, let me ask you a question here. What keeps you up at night that we don't know about? You know, for us, I guess it really is a... For me, it, it, it's the price of uranium. Um, this is the thing that, that ultimately affects what the share price is. And, um, you know, if you have a depressed price for a long time, shareholders don't see the increase in value of the shares, even though we are increasing the value at the project level. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it, to me, it's a waiting game. And I think you, uh, you hit the nail on the head exactly right. It's a matter of when, not if, when the sector changes. So, but, you know, my biggest concern is trying to get a, a best reading on that when is possible. And, and it is difficult, but we do know that, it, that it's happening. But I think if anything causes me to lose sleep on the most, it, it really is factors that are outside of our control and primarily the, uh, the price of uranium. On the project level, I'm very comfortable with. On our rate of discovery, I'm very comfortable with. Um, you know, I think we've uh, been able to steer this company um, quite well navigating, you know, the, the conditions that, that we have in this sector that we're in. So that's my biggest concern, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really just a, a question of, uh, you know, when that corner turns, and we don't think it's all that far out yet. You know, with regards to uranium and it being a win proposition, I'm reminded of Rick Rule always stating, you must have courage and conviction. And uh, I think that those ethos fit perfectly here with the fission uranium story here. Last question for you, sir. What did I forget to ask? Well, uh, the one point I would bring up that we haven't talked about yet is the PDAC convention in Toronto at the beginning of March. Um, that's the world's biggest uh, congregation of, of people for a mining conference anywhere. So um, we're always uh, to be, you know, proud sponsors of the PDAC. We will be there in March, and uh, if any of your shareholders are around, we encourage them to come by and and meet us in person. Um, we're happy to give updates on where we're at with the uh, with the project and uh, the overall sector. So come on out to PDAC and, and look us up. Ross, if investors want to get more information regarding fission rating, please share the contact details. Sure. Well, I encourage investors to uh, have a look at our website. It's www.fissionuranium.com. So we've got a very uh, comprehensive and up-to-date website. Uh, so Come on over and have a look. I think you'll learn a lot about the company and about the project and even about the uh, uranium sector itself. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Ross McElroy of Fission Uranium, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, 
completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.